Genesis 9-8, and we've been talking about Noah uh, and the end of his life, and, and I kind of had a rush last week to finish up, uh, so I wanted to kind of cover a little bit of that, but I'm not going to go back into all of it, but Noah lived to be 950 years of age, and what's interesting to note is that Abram was 58 years old when Noah died. Think about that for a second. See, we think of all these stories as, you know, because Noah lived so long of, uh, age-wise, we think of all these stories. Well, how do they know these stories? Noah could, I'm not saying he did, but no, I mean, Abram could have sat at Noah's feet and listened to the story of the flood. I'm not saying that that's what happened. I'm just saying it could have happened, you know, because, because he was there at this time. So I thought that was kind of interesting. And we think of everybody just so far removed from each other, but they're really not. Uh, but we ended up with this idea of last week of serving God zealously throughout our life, not just cutting off at a certain point or, you know, certain, something earth-shattering hitting us and knocking us at our knees because, you know, this life can be tough and, and you know, something hits us and it knocks us down, to not just stop right there, to keep going, to encourage each other, to have zeal for the Lord and not allowing the circumstances to stop us from serving the Lord. And in Titus uh, uh, 2.14, uh, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. He purified us through his actions so we could do what is good, and, and we should be eager about that. We should be zealous about that. And in Galatians 6.9, let us not become weary of doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people. It's interesting there. It says all people. It doesn't say people you like. It doesn't say people that haven't hacked you off. Do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. So it did qualify a little bit there. Do good to all people, but especially those who belong to the family of believers. We should love each other beyond all get out, you know, as the old saying goes. To the point of, you've offended me and that's okay because I love you because you're my brother or you're my sister in Christ. So whatever happened, we can get over, we can get through. Instead of going, well, you've offended me so much, I'm just going to go to another church. I can't sit in the same church as you. You've, you've just really hacked me off. And we, you know, we kind of laugh, and we kind of, but you know what? That's what people do, and it's sad. It really is. Romans 12, uh, 12 11, it says, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. And we ended last week with Psalms 92. The righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon, planted in the house of the Lord. They will flourish in the courts of our God. They will still bear fruit in old age. They will stay fresh and green, proclaiming the Lord is upright. He is my rock, and there is no wickedness in him. You know the old adage of we grow where we are planted. I would love, and you guys hear me say this over and over, I wish God would plant me on the beach in Hawaii. Okay, summertime I wear my flip-flops, okay? But we grow where we're planted. God has me planted here. He may have you planted in that job for some reason that you want to get out of. You should flourish right there. He may have you planted sitting next to the certain person in school that you cannot stand. 
young people, <laughs> grow, flourish right where he plants you. The church body is a great body. It can help us with encouragement. It can hold us accountable. It can feed, it can feed us. It can mourn with us. It can celebrate with each other. Don't isolate your, <clears throat> yourself. If you do this, your fruit stops bearing. You can't serve. The whole purpose of our life is to bear the fruit of God. So the question is, are you bearing that fruit? If the answer is yes, then great, good. I, I, I'm really happy for you. Then continue with that. Don't get weary. If the answer is no, then I say get involved some way. Serve somehow. Show up at the heart team meetings that we have. Show up at the events we have. Start getting together. Help out with the facilities. I'm sure Bob and Bob and Ken, because uh, there's two Bobs that help out with the lawn, and Ken and a few others would love help out there on the lawn and the lawnmower and the, you know, all this. Or help in the cafe or help with the children's ministry. I mean, you, you know, last week my wife at the end of the sermon, some people may know about this, some people may not. Uh, you know, the sermon went, to, or the, the service went a little long last week, and I keep telling stories, this one will too. And she was in the nursery. And you know, as it got long, I, I felt a buzz in my pocket, and I didn't check it until after service. It was like when I was praying, and it was my wife. She goes, I hope something seriously awesome is going, in the, going on in the sanctuary in there because it's going crazy in here. <laughs> so we got a good laugh out of, uh, out of that and stuff, but you know, we need more help, so serve, okay? And that's what the Lord wants us to do it because it gets the focus off ourselves. And here's the difference from those who are planted in the house of the Lord and those who are planted in the, in the world. Psalms 1.1, uh, Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, who meditates on his law day and night. This person is like a tree planted by the streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. If we stay planted with the Lord, our life will prosper. And don't think prosper means the world's version of prosper. The world's version of prosper is this, right? Money. Money in the pocket. But prosper means so much more than that. So this week we're going to pick up with Noah messing up because he strayed from the Lord. He kind of got off where he was planted, okay, in a sense. In verse 18 of Genesis 9, it says... The sons of Noah who came out of the ark were Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Ham was the father of Canaan. There were three sons, three sons of Noah, and from them came the people who scattered over the whole earth. Noah, a man of the soil, in other words, a farmer, proceeded to plant a vineyard. When he drank some of his wine, he became drunk and lay uncovered inside his tent. And last week we talked about the, the different things there. You know, we could make up excuses for Noah and, and drinking, but we, we, no, no excuses here. He messed up. We should not have any excuses for our sin. We cannot say, well, so-and-so made me do it, or I was following so-and-so, or all the other kids were doing it. You know, I've had several conversations with Brandon. Just because all the other kids in class are doing that doesn't mean that you follow along and do the same thing. You know, we, we tell our kids that, right? But as adults, what do we do? Same thing. We have to make up our mind, and we have to answer for our decisions and actions. 
Verse 22, it goes on, it says, Ham, the father of Canaan, saw his father naked and told his two brothers outside. When Sham and Japheth took, uh, but Sham and Japheth took a garment and laid it across their shoulders, and they walked backward and covered their father's naked body. Their faces were turned the other way, so they could not see their father naked. When Noah arose from the wine, uh, from his uh, wine, and find out uh, and found out that uh, what his younger son had done to him, he said, "Cursed be Canaan, the lowest of the slaves will he be to his brothers." He also said, Praise be the Lord, the God of Shem. May Canaan be the slave of Shem. May God extend Japheth's territory. And may Japheth live in the tent of Shem. And may Canaan be the slave of Japheth. Canaan gets a raw deal here. Sort of. But this whole incident is kind of confusing and controversial in many ways. Uh, what exactly happened, uh, but, you know, what exactly, was he just making fun, did something else happen? We don't really know. How did Noah figure out what happened? We don't know. And why did he curse Cain, Canaan and not Ham? It seems like a case of the innocent being punished instead of the guilty. Well, many scholars believe that, that the term, he saw his father naked meant gazed intently, intimately. We, we don't know, or intently, either way, we don't know. We don't know. We're not sure what happened. We just know something happened, okay? This would embarrass Noah. It was kind of a shame thing. And, and Middle East uh, culture, uh, honor is a huge thing, so honor would have been a part of that. But it doesn't explain the reaction from Noah. Now, there's one other possibility here that we saw from Noah's reaction here that, sh- that uh, Ham could have used this opportunity to knock Noah and his faith. We know that from the actions of, of Ham, and we, we know he wasn't a godly person. We know that he didn't, uh, his lineage was, certainly wasn't a godly people. Um, so the translation here is that he told with delight or with enthusiasm. In other words, he's reveling in the fact that his father has really messed up. James Boyce says that most likely sin was the reaction to what he saw, making fun of him instead of covering him up, in a sense, an attack on his father's honor. Or the fact that he caught a godly person, a godly man, doing an ungodly thing. And we know that, uh, the, I mean, just look at uh, any non-Christian news media. Well, I guess they're all non-Christian. But I'm just saying that they revel any time a, a big Christian name falls, right? Would Noah have been a big follower of the Lord, a big name for God, right? Uh, yeah, so, I mean, in a, in a sense, almost like they're making fun of him. If we look at it like this, I think it's a warning for us. A warning not to revel in someone's downfall, even if they deserve it. You know, the, the old adage of, they got what they deserve, I mean, how many of us have thought about that? You know, <laughs> you hear somehow, you go, well, they got what they deserved. But we shouldn't revel in that. We shouldn't be happy with that. We should be like, man, I wish they would have turned from that way before that happened. We should not be rejoicing in that. Sham and Japheth had a, a completely different reaction. Instead of following their brother's footsteps, they followed Proverbs 10:11. It says, love covers all sin. 
They literally covered their father's sin by walking him backward with a blanket and laying it over him. But Shem and Japheth, it says here in 23, but Shem and Japheth took the garment and laid it across their shoulders. Then they walked in backward and covered their father's naked body. Their faces were turned the other way so that they would not see their father. Proverbs 19 or uh, 17 says, Whoever would foster love covers over an offense, but whoever repeats the matter separates close friends. Would you say that's true? Can we say the G word? Not God. Gossip? How are you doing on your gossip? You know, last year we went for several months where I kept asking, how are you doing on your gossip? Here's a good chance to recap on that. How are we doing on our gossip? Because gossip separates good friends. Right here, says it. Instead of using love to cover an offense. Proverbs 12, 16 says, Fools show their annoyance at once, but a prudent overlook an insult. You know, there's a, a, a lot of things that are said on uh, Facebook that kind of show, <laughs> kind of show our, our true selves. But, I, I, you know, a friend of mine uh, put on there the other day of, of going, you know, it's, it's not my tongue that needs to be, you know, stopped. It's my facial expression. And that's exactly what it's talking about here. You know, when people can, you know, you don't say anything, but they know what you're thinking by the look on your face. Yeah. Fools show their annoyance at once. Hmm. Love doesn't cleanse sin. Only the blood of Jesus does. It doesn't condone sin. It, wasn't, it wants the best for others. But love does cover sin and doesn't gossip about others. When people sin and we know about it, our task as brothers and sisters of Christ is to go to them in the power and the meekness of God and to talk to them. We don't kick our own wounded. You don't go, <laughs> you got shot. No. We help each other. Before we condemn others, we should all look at ourselves and see our own sin before we start condemning other people. If this was a sin, mocking his father, <laughs> you, know, you know, this would explain the curse on Canaan and not Ham. Many believe that Noah wasn't cursing Ham, um, but prophesying about what the descendants, what would happen in the family line and how they would turn out. We see the same thing in Genesis 49 where Jacob is on his deathbed and he props up and prophesies over each uh, son. If you read it, he pronounces curses and blessing, curses on some and blessing on the others. And he's not cursing and blessing them himself. He's prophesying about what the future holds. And he is, you know, ba basically telling the future based on their future walk with the Lord. You can tell from certain personalities what kind of life a person is going to have just because of their walk, just because of their actions and their attitudes. And this is what Noah's doing. Ham doesn't seem like, you know, seem like he's a godly man. And Canaan, his son, is most likely followed in his dad's footsteps. Ham had four sons, but Canaan is pointed out here and likely because Noah knew him to be like his father. Three times he mentions Canaan. And there was a, a law in Noah's days, and later it's codified in Exodus 20. It says, uh, verse 4, 
of Exodus 20. You shall not make for yourselves an image in the form of anything in heaven above or, uh, above or on the earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them and worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a, zeal- a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. See, the whole idea here is the sins of the fathers visiting the, the children of the third and fourth generation. We say, well, that's, that's just not fair. God, why would you do that? Well, the reason is the sin moves to the next generation is because they're copying the ones they're coming from. You know, it's interesting. Uh, uh, my, uh, you know, just with genetics and everything, my mom uh, cracks me up because I look just like my uncle, okay? I mean, just facial features and all that kind of stuff. Genetics, we, you know, it's a natural thing that it happens like that. You have different family members that, you know, my son Grayson looks just like his, his, his grandfather. I mean, just a spitting image of him. It's, it's pretty funny, especially if you take out baby pictures and compare them. And you're just like, wow. Well, that happens in personalities, too, in attitudes and actions. It's because we're copying those. And last week we talked about alcohol and, and, you know, the whole idea is we drink too much around our kids. Guess what? Our kids are going to drink too much. Plain and simple. They're copying us. And, you know, it's a vicious cycle. And we use alcohol, but anything could be used here. If you are a rude person, guess what? Your children are most likely going to be rude also. And the more you scream at them about being rude, they're just copying your rudeness. You know what I'm saying? If you're a gracious person, a kind person, they're probably going to be gracious and kind. We're trying to teach our kids to be, you know, very polite. And yesterday, I, you know, Grayson, Lisa put Grayson down in, in the crib for a nap. And, you know, he's three and he, he deserves a nap. He needs a nap. He doesn't think so, but he does. And he wasn't napping. And I finally go in there and I pick him, you know, I, I get him kind of situated again. I said, Grayson, you really need to take a nap. And he looks at me and he goes, no thanks. Very polite. I appreciate the politeness. He's still going to take a nap. He never did nap. He stayed in there for a good another hour after that, but he didn't nap. But you see what I mean? Our children copy us, so we have to be careful how we act. See, the great thing about the Lord is the second part of the scripture if and when your children, and, and if you've had things in your past where your parents were certain ways and you've copied them and it's taken you down a path that maybe is not good, here's the great thing here. The second part of this is when and if the children turn their lives over to God, he shows them mercy and love to the thousandth generation. That means the generations follow you will most likely copy you. So turn your lives over to God, and they'll most likely, it's kind of like the ripple, you know, you, you throw the, the rock into the pond, and, and the ripple effect, how it goes out, you know, the rings of your life in a sense. So let's look at these prophecies on this, because, you know, people go, uh, and the next couple of weeks we'll be talking a lot more about this, but, you know, people always say, well, all this stuff, it, this has nothing to do with today. I mean, Genesis, that was so long ago. You know, the, it lays down a few foundation things. We don't have to believe all of Genesis, but, but really it has nothing to do with today. So preach on something that, that, that can be applied right here and now. Well, it's interesting. Let's go through this and let's see if it applies to us. Noah woke from his drunk, uh, drunken stupor here and said, Curses be Canaan. The lowest of the slaves will he be to his brothers. 
He also said, Praise be to the Lord, the God of Shem. May Canaan be the slave of Shem. May God extend Japheth's territory. May Japheth live in the tents of, uh, tents of Shem. And may Canaan be the slave of Japheth. So first of all, we have Noah prophesying that Canaan would be the servant to his brothers. In other words, the, ser- the descendants would be below the other descendants. This includes most of the people of the world here. Ham had four sons, including Canaan. So when Canaan and his descendants were servants of the other sons, that's a lot of the world. In Genesis 10, next week, we'll start in on, on some of this. We'll see the, what's called the table of nations, the descendants of all these families and where they ended up in the world. It's very interesting. But let me stop here and talk about how this has been twisted. This has been used as an excuse for slave traders to justify their sin and their actions. It was used by, by men in America to justify slavery back in the 1800s and 1700s and, and before that. They said the descendants of Canaan were black Africans, so therefore I'm just doing what is godly, what God said, and God said that they would be slaves. So therefore, I have my slaves. And they were using this to justify themselves, and it was completely, you know, they were using it to hide their sin. And that's so wrong. The descendants of Canaan were not black Africans to begin with. They were people who settled in the land that bore their name. Do you remember the, do you know the land of Canaan? It's where Israel is right now. When Israel came out of Egypt, went across the desert and took the land, they took the land of Canaan. And what was going on there? And God gave Israel that land. And we go, well, how could God do that? Well, one, he owns the land. You know, we think we do, but God owns it. But two, look at the history of the Canaanites. This is exactly what God said would happen. Uh, you know, the, you know they, were, they had moral debauchery just going on all over the place. How many of you are firstborns? Any firstborns in here? Raise your hand if you're a firstborn. Raise it up high. You would not be here if we were in the land of Canaan if you were Canaanites. Why? They would have sacrificed you to their God, the God of Baal. So, sorry, firstborns, you can get up and leave. You're not supposed to be here. You know, I mean, how ridiculous is that? The idolatry that was going on, the demonic principles that were going on happening there in Canaan, and God said, no, 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 I've given you generation after generation to turn from your ways. You didn't turn from your ways, therefore, you are going to be slaves to these people that are going to come in, my people. See, the curse was that they followed Ham's example in life. Canaan followed the ways of Ham, all the way down to the point where they were sacrificing their firstborn to evil, evil things, demonic things. They were wicked people. Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people the word says. Oftentimes we bring curses on ourselves. It's not the Lord doing it. It's not anybody else. Look at Deuteronomy 27, 28, how God had the Levites. They went up on two mountains and divided people. On one side was this beautiful mountain. The other side was this very ugly, like, outcrop. And, and from the beautiful side, they were pronounced all the blessings that God would give them if they followed God. And then the other side of the mountain, they would pronounce all the curses 
if they didn't follow God, the Israelite people. The curses and the blessings were a response of how they lived their life. This is exactly what's going on here. The descendants of Ham did not follow God. They did not obey God. They only lived for themselves. And we see the results of that happening. God fulfilled his promise to Shem by giving the land to the Israelites. He blessed them, and the Canaanites were his servants. Now, the descendants of Ham served the world in, in, in many ways beyond just being slaves in, in many instances. Okay, the descendants of, uh, of them were the Babylonians. They did great things for society, moving society forward. The Assyrians, the Egyptians, moving culture forward. Now, we may not agree with the Egyptian god and the Assyrian gods and Babylonian gods, but I'm just saying societal-wise, they, they served society because they moved society forward. They were gifted in creating things that benefited the world. But this does not justify their evilness. He also said... Praise be to the Lord, the God of Shem. May Canaan be the slave of Shem. It's interesting. He doesn't bless Shem directly. He blesses who? The God of Shem. The God of Shem. May the Canaanites be the slave of Shem. Noah gave glory to God for and through the descendants of Shem. From the line of Shem would come Abraham, which starts a whole new nation of Israel. And Noah was blessing what was going to happen through God and by God through Shem. And eventually would lead to a blessing of all mankind. And in Genesis 12, it says, The Lord said to Abram, Go to your country for your people and your father's household to uh, go from your country, uh, all your people and your father's household and to the land I will show you. You know what's interesting is Abraham, or Abram at the time as he was called, started out worshiping Gentile idols. He lived in a land that worshiped all this kind of stuff until he met God. And when he crossed over the Euphrates River, his name uh, uh, became a Hebrew name, and it means one who crosses over. That's what the word Hebrew means, one who crosses over. And that separation started a new nation. And I think it's interesting in our life that when we're a non-Christian, a Gentile, and when we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we cross over and we are adopted into God's family. We become Hebrews. You know, I've always talked about this, how, how we should consider ourselves Jews. We are Christian Jews because we're adopted into God's family. Who does God call us family? The Jewish family. Now there's believers in the Jewish family and there's non-believers in the Jewish family when it comes to the Jews themselves, the actual Jews. But we are a part of that family. He says in verse 2, I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you I will curse and the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. So any nation that aligns himself with Israel will be blessed. Any nation who aligns themselves against Israel will be cursed. It's kind of interesting. You think back through history. Take Great Britain for an example. They were the world's superpower before World War II. 
They came out of World War I. They decided on the Balfour Declaration in, I think, November 1917, something like that. And the Balfour Declaration basically said, you know what, we need a land for the Jewish people. And it ought to be their homeland. So all the years go through, and then in 1939, when the governments changed and all that kind of stuff, it was decided, well, it really wasn't worth their time, their effort, their energy to help start a Jewish homeland. Well, what happened big picture-wise then? You had Hitler come into power, the Nazis come into power, World War II, millions of people died, six million Jews uh, died, and at the end, the British Empire was reduced to a second fiddle in the world. No longer an empire, really. It's interesting. Bless those who bless you, curse those who curse you. Hmm. And all the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. So it's not limited to Israel. You know, it's interesting. I love this part where it says, all the peoples of earth will be blessed through you. How are we blessed through the people of Shem? Well, first off, they have the knowledge of the true God. They preserve that knowledge of the true God. Through Israel, we have the written word of God. They preserve the written word of God. And the Savior Jesus Christ who was born in Bethlehem through the tribe of Judah, which is from the tribe of Shem, or comes from Shem. The Hebrew name Shem actually means they have preserved the name of the Lord. So we are blessed through him. Verse 26, it says, May Canaan be the slave of Shem. This prophecy was fulfilled through Joshua. When Joshua was leading them into Canaan, they would have read this, and it would have given them courage in battle, and they would have said, we, we can get this done, guys. We can do this. Verse 27, may God extend Japheth's territory. May Japheth live in the tents of Shem, and may Canaan be the slave of Japheth. Well, who, you know, who are Japheth's uh, you know, ancestors? Well, those, that's the Gentile nations, mostly. Three things are predicted here. One, he would enlarge them. Two, he would dwell in the tents of Shem. In other words, receive blessings from Shem. And three, the Canaanites would also be their servants. So let's look at these. First off, you have he would enlarge their people group. Now there's kind of a play on words here. The word Japheth is very close in Hebrew to the name that means to make large or to enlarge. The Greeks and the Romans who dominated the world today, or, you know, a, a world back then and, and then us today, through the Anglo-Saxon culture, really, went on to occupy more territory than any other per- people group on earth. We're the descendants of Japheth, the descendants, including America here. So here, you know, we've enlarged the territory in a sense. Um, it says here the sentence, uh, I mean, the, our, our, but our blessing doesn't even come just from the size of our wealth, our, our resources, our economic abilities or anything like that, but from the Lord our God through our faith in the God of Israel. America is great because America is good, not because some political party says America is great, whether you like that political party or not. But we are good people, so therefore that's what makes us great. And a day will come when, when America is no longer good, no longer acting good, because good has become bad and bad has become good, and we're starting to see 
that switch there, and the blessing will no longer be here. And the secret of our blessing has been what? God. Second part here is, may Japheth live in the tents of Shem. Interesting. It suggests that they will be successful. But when it comes to spiritual things, we have to depend on Shem. Hmm. Live is the word dwell. It implies that we're going to find a home in the tents of Shem. You're not going to be a visitor. You're not going to be a guest. You're going to be family. Beautiful picture of Gentile believers right here. Family. Being adopted into the family of God. All the families of the earth are blessed through Shem. How is that? Well, through Jesus Christ. Whoever believes in Him, that's a huge blessing. To be saved, to have everlasting life. Paul says in Romans 11 that we are granted or grafted into the family of God. We receive all the blessings of being a child of God. My son is adopted, for those that don't know that. Uh, we've got a couple of visitors here today. But, but uh, after we adopted him, he's still related to his biological parents. He's still related to his biological grandparents, which babysit him all the time, and all, you know, it's a wonderful thing and all that. He's still related to all that, but he's also an or. Or is my last name. He's also an or. And he has all the rights and all the blessings and maybe the curses that come along with that. I'm just saying. And that's the same with us and the Lord. We receive the blessing and the rights the Jews receive. In Galatians 3.29, Paul says, If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. This is how Japheth, in other words, the Gentiles, the descendants of Japheth, dwell in the tents of Shem. Because as believers, we're members of the family of God. And we see this coming to fruition here. This is why I love the whole idea of doing Teleri United and getting the churches. I want to encourage you to come to that night of worship if you can join us. It's at 5 o'clock over at Teleri Community Church. Because we're all part of the same family of God. Now think about your family. Your family members are all different, aren't they? Different interests, different likes. You don't do the same thing all the time unless you're really, really, really close. And, and that's a blessing if you really are. That's a good thing. But your family is different. Your family members like to do different things. The church is the same way. We're still part of the family. We have different ways of doing things. We have different interests. But as believers in Jesus Christ, if our foundations are the same, now I'm not talking about, I mean, there's some groups that get out there in the willy-nilly and you're like, no, 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 you need to come back to the Bible if you're with the Bible with us, and we're, we're the same. If, if you're not and doing all, okay, you know what I'm saying. But this is what I love. It's a beautiful fit, a picture of us being a family. Because we believe in the only Son of God who lived a perfect life, who died for our sins, and belief in Him is the only way to the Father in heaven. I can deal with small differences in how we worship the new covenant, the new family, both Jews and Gentiles who are believers, we owe the Jews a great debt. They gave us God. They gave us God. They preserved God, and they gave us God. And they did that through Shem. 
that gave us Jesus Christ to bless the whole world. We dwell in the house of Shem, just as Noah, uh, just as Noah said. The last part of the prophecy is, is that of Canaan's descendants. Would serve the descendants of Japheth also. Originally, this was the other way around. Under the Egyptian empire, the descendants of Shem and Ham basically ruled the world. Israel rose to defeat the Canaanites and ruled for the next 800 years. However, idolatry brought them down. They didn't, you know, they, they didn't go in there and, well, that's a whole other book, uh, uh, Exodus. I don't want to go into all that. But they didn't take out the people. They didn't do the things they needed to do. And all that idolatry stayed in the middle of Israel. And Israel ended up doing the same things that Canaanites were doing. So therefore, what happened? Well, God brought in the Assyrians, the descendants of Ham, and conquered them. Then the Babylonians the descendants of Ham, conquered them. And then the Medes and the Persians got together. It wasn't until the Greek Empire followed by the Roman Empire that the descendants of Ham and Canaan became the servants again to the descendants of Japheth. Today we see the, you know, the, the dominance of the descendants of Japheth in the Western, you know, Western Europe and America pretty much dominate. And those are the descendants of Japheth here. But the Hamites are rising up again. And we've seen this in the last, uh, you know, 20, 30 years of, you know, seeing what's going on in Iraq and Syria and Afghanistan with ISIS and Al-Qaeda and other groups and whatever they want to call themselves today. And it's interesting how people think the Bible is completely outdated. It doesn't pertain to us today, but we see it playing out right in front of our eyes. We see the people groups. And, and we're going to go over a lot of that next week, but we see it right before the eyes. We see what God said to, you know, through Noah playing out today. The Bible is relevant to us. Now, one last interesting thing. Shem and Japheth covered their father's sin. Now, I want to encourage you, as followers of Christ, we have the ability to cover other people's sin. Now, I don't mean cover up as in like pushing the closet and all that kind of stuff. But through the grace of God, we can either go out there and go, you sinned, you sinner, and get in people's faces and be rude about it. And, you know, I'm never going to sit down with dinner to you again, you know, and all that kind of... We have that ability, or we can act like Shem and Japheth and cover the sin with grace and with mercy and say, you know what, we're going to help you through this. What happened here was wrong. But we're going to, because we're brothers and sisters in Christ, we're going to get through this. And that's what we should do to each other. And hopefully we model that here. Uh, if we don't, come talk to me. I'll, I'll try to fix it, I tell you. Because that's what we, we want, love and grace. Truth is there. So don't, don't think truth isn't there. But it comes with love and grace and mercy that comes from the Lord. We have that ability as Christians, and we ought to utilize that because when we present that to the world, the world responds to that. When we present the in-your-face Christian, I'm going to, you know, you know, I'm on the street corner, I got the sign, I'm going to scream in your face, I'm even fight with you over it. When we present that side, the world just goes, I don't want any of that. I'm not going to take a bite of that. I'm going to spit that out. They want something good, and God is good, and that's what we ought to give them. With grace and dignity, we represent Christ to this world. 
Next week we'll get into Nimrod and, and to get into a lot more detail on some of this. It'll be kind of fun uh, for us. So why don't we stand and pray as the worship team comes up here and finishes us out today. Lord, it's just amazing to me, uh, in a sense, how you're still in play. The things that you said are everlasting. The things that you gave to Noah to say about the descendants and his family and what would happen is played out today. I thank you, Lord, for giving us a way to come to you. That you folded us into your tent, into your family. Once we become Christians, that we're your children. I pray for those that are out there that aren't your children, that that we could be used in some way to bring them to you. Instead of fighting with this world, Lord, I pray that we can love this world. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord's face shine down upon you. And may you be a blessing like Shem and Japheth upon this world that brings salvation to those who need it. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen.